0: Vinyl Preacher, where we get together every week to talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Candle, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Paris. I'm in Boulder, Colorado. And we are, uh, man, it's end of the year, beginning of the year. We're doing a little Mm. combo pod.
1: December 31st,
0: January 7th. What, what's that look like, this transition from... From 2017 to 2018, you're not doing much uh, over the New Year's holiday, are you? Not much at all, except
1: going (laughs) to the second greatest city in the world. Uh, I'm going to be in Chicago, Matt, with you on New Year's Day (laughs) for a live version, a live taping of The Vinyl Preacher. I've already planted the seeds. There's going to be a QA. and a Students, non-students, listeners, get your questions in. We're going to answer Q. We're going to do Q&A. Matt Cato, in person, just like the glory days, a mere nine years ago, eight years ago, wherever the math is at now, uh, back, back in Hyde Park, Matt. That's what I'm doing. The Lutheran Student Movement National Gathering happens December 30th through January 2nd. Uh, somehow, it's my responsibility to make sure the event happens. So, as students are leaving, and my job should be easier, it's all kinds of insane stupidity
0: can we record the live podcast uh live from the back porch
1: yes we are gonna take over some poor students back porch i'll bring a
0: flag adam will come there because he will know the flag is up wow that was 10 years ago we used to do that man makes me feel really old
1: 12 years ago if you go to like the first showed up man wow
0: craziness craziness so it's going to be good, Lutheran Student Movement. This is uh, mm-hmm. how many years have you done this now over New Year's?
1: This is year number three. Three. This is the third year uh, bringing back an event that happened annually for for fifty plus years, but died in two thousand eight. We've been back at it since two thousand and fourteen. Cool. Yeah, we've got some great keynotes lined up, Matt. I'll tell you a little bit about it. Linda Thomas yes. is going to be with us, confirmed. Uh, Dr. Linda Thomas, professor of uh, theology at LSTC. Gordon Straw is the director, uh, the professor of uh, spirituality um, or spiritual formation at LSTC, and Kevin Strickland, enemy of the pod. Kevin, Kevin! Uh, director of worship, at the LCA. They're keynoting. That's going to be great. It's going to be a night out on the town. We got lots of great options. Uh, I've been working on. I put together. I got a, a lot. A big trip. A big. Uh, stroll down memory lane, Matt, as I put together restaurant recommendations for the guidebook. Um, <laughs> some of them may actually be open. Uh, it turns out most restaurants close in Hyde Park over New Year's. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Um,
0: the Medici every year. Yeah.
1: It sucks. Yeah. I want to put Medici on there. I can't. At all. The coffee shop's open, but. Uh, but the other fun thing, we're doing congregational visits. We're visiting congregations on Sunday mornings, sending students out, uh, mostly to congregations that I assume they would not. Uh, normally get those kinds of experiences so of course right we got a group going to Shekinah Chapel Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of it Matt maybe your students have talked to you about it Matt's students are like the pretty
0: great yeah they came back raving about Shekinah Chapel Got St.
1: Mark's down on 88th Street. We got uh, St. Thomas, which is down like a uh, South Shore neighborhood, which is some neat stuff going on. Vicky Johnson there. Uh, First Lutheran Church of the Trinity in Bridgeport with Thomas Gawke. Um We're going to try to send some folks out to Santa Cruz and Joliet because uh, they do bilingual worship down there. Um, and I think we're going to send some folks probably up to Holy Trinity uh, in Wrigleyville.
0: What's a, so Ben Adams' church is connected to Holy Trinity somehow, I think,
1: but they're probably they're probably some off schedule over the holiday. Yeah, they're a Saturday night. They worship on Ben Adams. Can feel free to call into the pod to correct us on this. It's, it's your job, and you are our most faithful and devoted listener. Uh, uh, feel free to compete for the crown, folks. Um, I believe uh, Holy Trinity in the Loop uh, worships on Sunday nights. Um, gotcha. So technically, I think Ben is on staff at Holy Trinity. It's a part of part of Holy Trinity. Gotcha. But also serves the South Loop Campus Ministry. And I imagine the boundaries between those things are blurry.
0: Cool, cool. Well, it sounds like a, an exciting weekend. We'll be sending four people from St. Mark's. Yeah, four yeah. people from four different colleges. <laughs> so it'll be great.
1: <laughs> uh, Matt, you need to tell your people to dress warmly. Uh, I've been watching the weather. What's it look like? I need to warn your people and the people coming from from the South. And there are a lot of those people. Uh, New Year's Day, I think the low of like three, high of 11.
0: (laughs) Yes. Uh, I told them, I had a whole like in the email, like a whole paragraph in bold. Like, it will be cold. Uh, Not like El Camino Pines cold. Windy city cold. This is a different level of cold. And then I was like, pro tip. Uh, I always appreciate when I wore an extra pair of socks mm. like two layers of socks was very helpful to me when I was spending time outside pro tip pro tip if you go into Ellis with your student movement I bring extra socks
1: I am a big fan of long underwear bring it with me anytime I go to a cold place with yeah. a lever on the fence I'm like is it cold enough is it too cold is it not cold enough to wear I'll always wear it yeah because never go wrong never go wrong
0: <laughs> now do you go with the uh, like the the cotton the flannel long underwear or do you go in mm-hmm. like the Under Armour like
1: <laughs> I have the REI brand sweat wicking version for the pants I only have cotton yeah. cotton long yeah. sleeves though but I feel like the pants are more important than the top you can multi-layer the top easily but true yeah definitely the legs are the under you don't think through the legs
0: I used to have when I was in college I used to have uh, fleece lined jeans Ooh. <laughs> I would wear walking around at Valparaiso's uh, freezing campus. <laughs> yep.
1: Mm. How about yourself, also, Matt? How are you bringing in the year of our Lord, two thousand and eighteen?
0: Well, obviously, I'm spending January first uh, in Hyde Park, so that'll be fun. Uh, and otherwise, we'll be in Chicago visiting family. This is my annual uh, trip home, where we drive all over the Midwest, uh, visiting everyone. I'm just like, just like uh, the Magi, we like we spend. The Magi. <laughs> We spend this time on the road. So that's what we'll be doing.
1: Mm, mm. Matt, uh, this is going to lead us very nicely into T4T. But uh, you should know the first year, our colleague, Jennifer Manis, who's the campus pastor uh, at, at, in Raleigh at North Carolina State University and Meredith College, preached the, the sermon that ended uh, the gathering as we, the closing worship. And she preached the hell out of a sermon talking about uh, comparing our trips home that they might be like the magi that we take a different road home from the one in which we take to the event. It was a spectacular. I was very impressed. (laughs) Right. How many like big event sermons do you remember? I remember that one.
0: Yeah. Two years later. It's a
1: text with a lot of potential. Hmm. Does that mean it's time? I think it's time.
0: t for t T-4-T, and we are looking at uh, two texts, so you get a little combo pod. Because, let's be honest, uh, most of y'all are probably doing lessons and carols for the Sunday after Christmas. Anyway, I wonder how many people actually do the first Sunday of Christmas. Or you're transferring Slaughter of the Innocents. Yeah, <laughs> that's always a good idea, to transfer Slaughter of the Innocents. It's funny, so, the, so December 31st, uh, technically, would be uh, the first Sunday of Christmas. Christmas, and every year I need to re-explain to people how the Christmas season is these 12 days between December 25th, not the whole month of December, these days from December 25th until Epiphany. Uh, And so we get, this is interesting, though, because the text that's assigned for year B comes from Luke. We're all over the place. We were like, you'd think we're in Mark. We're in the year of Mark. But we've now had readings from John and Luke and Matthew. Here we are back again in Luke. And we get the presentation of our Lord. Presentation on That's supposed to be until February 2nd. Why are we getting another 31st? Matt, here's my
1: biggest complaint about the <laughs> Christmas one here for us. Yeah. Uh, we cut off a very important verse here. Uh, verse 21 should be a part of this. Okay. What's well, verse
0: 21?
1: Uh, it's the one about oh. circumcision. You also had to be circumcised, right? Like we I know technically it's probably because we have that official day of circumcision had to happen on the eighth day, right? So what does that make it? Do, do do January first second one of those days um but anytime you get a chance to preach on circumcision do it do it that's the way to take down the patriarchy is to promote and talk heavily about circumcision in a literal and metaphorical sense
0: <laughs> <laughs> i got nothing so you can take that route preacher you can take that route focus on verse 21 always helpful to expand give the text some context
1: we got a song this is our kind of text though man Song of Simeon
0: yeah Song of Simeon so uh so if you're following the hours you know like that if you do uh mm. what is it Matins mm-hmm. is that what morning prayer morning, morning prayer. prayer you get Whose song is it? Zachariah's song, right? You mm-hmm. get Zachariah's song. Luke is basically a musical. I mean, at least it starts out that way. It's basically, uh, Ham- I like it, it's basically yeah. Hamilton, you know? like mm-hmm. They're just like characters are breaking out into song, left and right. I always wish I could figure out a way to do that, to, like bring that home to people, because that's really like that's that's how it should be presented, right? Like It's like, yeah. they're talking, and then here they are breaking out into song. Uh, so anyway, so we get Zechariah's song, is morning prayer. It's really prayer.
1: disappointing that Jesus doesn't break into song on the cross. <laughs>
0: I know, he puts it into it. I would it be always look on the bright side of life? That's yes, right. yes,
1: yes, of course. <laughs> uh,
0: um, so yeah, so if, uh, if you're gathering for morning prayer, the traditional song to use is Zechariah's song. If you're gathering for evening prayer, I think it's the Magnificat, right? It's very. Mm-hmm. song. Uh, but if you gather for couplet if you gather for Copland, you get Simeon's song, which is kind of uh, poignant, right? Because mm-hmm. this is like Simeon is this old man. Uh, and this is like, this is these are like his last words kind of thing. This is his farewell song. So it's an interesting one to be assigned for Copland, right before we go to sleep.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a part of my take on this. Um, that I think, at least my initial reaction and in engagement with the text, it doesn't make a ton of sense I, I, oh, what's the word I'm looking for here it's jarring I suppose um, like I think my like the way of reading the text first which my first way of reading the text is like what's what about me uh, read it through, through my own experience and what's best for me um, and as a simian uh, I think I would be like if I saw Jesus coming I'd try not to make eye contact uh, right, because it sounds like he's going to die as soon as he sees Jesus.
0: <laughs>
1: right, and like so far, it seems like this has been a pretty good deal for Simeon, because he's—he's—it uh, feels like right, he's—he's he's quite old here. Uh, but if he can just avoid Jesus, then he's going to live forever, man. And that's—that's that's what I would like to do. I'm not interested in that sort of letting go.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's an interesting. Um... So it sounds like he's going to he's going to die shortly after he sees Jesus because of what the Holy Spirit had been revealed to him. There's like there's a lot of prophecy going on in this text, right? There's a lot of prophecy. And the thing that we like to do with prophecy, uh, at least in the progressive mainline church, is to be like, oh, to be prophetic is to talk about social justice. It's not really about what's going to happen in the future. But these prophecies are totally the kind of like fantasy novel. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen to this kid, right? This is like, oh, this is exactly the kind of prophecy that we're not really sure what to do with. It shows up all the time. We actually love these kinds of prophecies in our entertainment because this is Harry Potter. This is Star Wars. I mean, this mm-hmm. is like this is all of here. But it also feels kind of fantasy, and so it's hard to. I don't know. I wonder what to what do you, what do you do with it, right? Uh, I don't know. Uh, that might be a helpful thing to think about, like, why do we like it in our entertainment? Or at least why does pop culture seem to like it so much? Um, I actually have some thoughts about... Man, so I saw the new Star Wars. I wonder if I could talk about it without without saying any spoilers. <laughs> How do you see so many movies, Matt? You, have, you have twins. <laughs> They're like, like a year old. We, we have, I don't see that many movies. I mean, this year we only saw, like three three movies (laughs) but i i didn't want any spoilers so i'm gonna try to do it but let me say i'll just say this much uh that it does some really interesting things with uh with with bloodlines and prophecies right so the whole like star wars saga is like this saga of the skywalkers and the generations of skywalkers and the skywalker bloodline and what's gonna happen and this movie does some really interesting stuff with that uh and so, like, just the idea, like, this is, this. what do you do with this, like, chosen one? And what do you do with that uh, when you're preaching about it? How do you make it connect with yourself? I mean, it's like you said, what does this have to do, what does this have to do with me? <laughs> That's the question people are asking, uh, even as they come uh, to worship. I don't know, do you have any additional, I have I have a, I have one option, I have one angle that, I've, that I might explore, but I, I don't know, do you have any thoughts on that prophecy aspect? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think there is,
1: right, like there's a big attraction to sort of the idea that we might be inherently fated in the way that perhaps the Skywalkers are. I'll find out when it comes out on Netflix. Um, <laughs> right. That that we're just waiting for a Simeon to come along and say, oh, you are the one who has been promised. Right. Um, and th- and that's there. Right. I-, I think you're right. Right. You lift it up. It's there. This, I mean, oh, 25 to 40 is it's kind of a movie because it's a montage almost, right? You could montage <laughs> yeah. it because it ends with the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Jesus is a man now. Um, we miss a lot of Jesus's—of important things <laughs> in Jesus's life.
0: The expanded cinematic universe.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, right, like the great— it, the really the word like the most disappointing part of the Gospels is that there's no adolescent Jesus because that's what that's where the good stuff's got to be right. Uh, that's where the dirt is, man. So it all gets swept under the rug. The part I'll lift up that might be help create some tension with with this prophecy thing, not dismiss it, but create tension. Is there? It ends in verse 24, and they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord: <clears throat> a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Which are uh Molina and Rorbah, our social scientist friends, say that that's indicative of their um, of their poverty, that the preferred sacrifice would be a lamb, and that to say that they offered two turtle dogs or two pigeons, uh indicated that they didn't have the resources to have a lamb and that they didn't have land on which to raise the lamb. Wow. Um, yeah. So on one hand, you've got Simeon proclaiming that this one, this great one who's coming, the uh, uh, one who is with the one who's, who's, who's kept him alive for so long, who, who has clearly demonstrated power here, is the one who doesn't have enough power, can only, can only pay the, what do we call it, like in elementary school and like high school and stuff, you got the reduced rate for lunch.
0: Oh, um, yeah, yeah.
1: Right, like lunch was $2, but there were some kids who only had to pay 50 cents or that's jesus
0: yeah totally and each of these characters too i mean just i'm, I'm looking here at anna who uh it's interesting i don't think i guess i would never noticed this i just thought they're two uh senior citizens right but the way that anna is described here is that she lives with her husband for seven years and then he dies and she's a widow to the age of 84 uh so she actually spends most of her life as a widow and that's sort of the i mean in scripture we know that widows uh typically are not at the top of the socioeconomic structure
1: and also, right, yeah, 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 yeah. So on one hand, you've got widows not on the top of the social, like the bottom, like no one is charged with uh, with the responsibility to care for them. But also they are within the understanding of, of the ancient Mediterranean, but also our, our kind of fantasy literacy. Uh, old widows, that's where you find wisdom. They are known to be uh, particularly wise. so You get that tension there too.
0: I do think, so one way to make uh one way to really ground to bring the text back into I don't know our more everyday world um, so you would mentioned like that if you were Simeon you had this prophecy you knew you were going to die once you saw Jesus you might not make eye contact um, but one thing that i I'm really like, good at that in the grocery store
1: <laughs> I am pretty good at spotting like parishioners or people who I would know from church and then like alright here's the game we're not going to make eye contact or run into them um,
0: <laughs> but what i've since i've had of uh, since since having kids and uh and, and having nieces and nephews uh, to see the reaction of the oldest people in my family right to see the reaction of my grandparents uh and the first time that they see those kids that there's a real there, there is something really amazing about the oldest generation and the youngest generation, right, um, meeting each other. And if I think, I mean, we're sending out Christmas cards now, and as I think about, like, who's going to be the most excited to get these cards? Um, yeah, it's going to be, like, my grandparents in their generation, right? The great-grandparents of these kids uh, and, uh, and just how excited that they are to see this, to see this next generation in their arms, right? And I, I think that actually is something that we see in our world, and I wonder if there's... If there's any fruit for preaching there, to explore that a little bit. Uh, mm. So, yeah, presentation of our Lord. Presenting him. I did a, an almost baptism once, the presentation of our Lord. Yeah? Yeah, it probably should have had a baptism, but they said they didn't really want a baptism, and that ended up basically being that. Uh, but they wanted to bring their kid to church for the first time, and I was like, they wanted to do it on a certain day, and I was like, you know what? Why don't you do it on this Sunday? Because the text would be perfect for it. Yeah. And this is a this actually is a really nice text uh, for for a baptism and for thinking about infant baptism and, and what it might mean, right? So there, there's how I'll tie it back to uh, what I was talking about is like why do we bring our kids to church? Uh, and I think this is one reason for it, right? Is that they they are a part of this larger community that includes these uh, these older generations. And church is a place where, where we get to be a part of that, this body of Christ that includes the oldest generation. Uh, I remember going to, uh, uh, there's this church in Seattle that I went to. It was like a hipster church, this hipster Lutheran church down the street. And I thought it was so cool. Like, I really loved like all the stuff that they were doing. Like, there's just some really interesting stuff they were doing, but the biggest difference between that church and the church that did my internship was that they didn't have, um, uh, very many older people. And I remember thinking that that was something that was, that was something that was missing, uh, mm. from that congregation, as much as, as much as my internship congregation could drive me nuts, uh, because it seems so set in its ways and this congregation didn't, uh, but that was a piece that was missing. Um, how do you, how do you read this text? I know we got to move on to the next text, but how do you read this text as a, as a campus pastor? working with uh, people, working with young adults, and then you come up against, here's a text with people at the two opposite ends of the of the age spectrum.
1: First response, first reaction, uh, is that is that this is intensely public, right? Uh, in our uh, particular context, expressing your religious identity in any sort of public way, the atmosphere is not conducive to that. Um, and I know that can sound a little like... Christianity is under attack sort of thing. But my students are not like, they're not snowflakes, but, but nearly universally, right? Like they they really wrestle with how to let their friends know that, that their religious stuff is a big part of who they are because they don't expect in their experiences that that's not like, it's not even neutrally received typically um, by non-religious friends. So that's a big aspect of, of, of our particular campus. Uh, funny you say that, Matt, um, <clears throat> you may notice I'm dressed professionally today. Uh, I did not want to be dressed professionally today, um, but this morning, uh, we're in the middle of final exams as we record, and I had a student uh, text me and said, we can't meet for coffee this morning because I'm in the ER. Uh, and so I had a student who was sick, right? Uh, they thought it might be an appendix, uh, all that kind of stuff, right? So I spent the morning wow. hanging out with him in the ER. Um, yeah. It wasn't super serious. It's a vi- like, let's share my students' medical history with the world. Uh, just a viral thing, right? But a, a difference, I think, perhaps, right, is that this student is not from the city of Boulder. Um, wasn't super serious. I think if they were, like, a regular parishioner and stuff, I probably wouldn't find out about it until later on, you know? Yeah. Um, but because they don't have family or anybody here, they're literally by themselves at the emergency room. So I just went there where I didn't hung out all day uh, and washed my hands vociferously because it sounds like I don't want this thing that she has. Um, but then as a campus pastor, that's I think a big part of what my job is, and I think this is going to connect is to to be a presence with folks in the places where the bubble around campus bursts a bit. Um, yeah. maybe not bursts, but where there are kind of holes in the bubble. Um, students, the university does not expect you to go to the hospital while you're a student. In the kind of like environment, the community isn't a community that's prepared where those sorts of things happen, right? When we talk about it, like the, uh, people are not born and people do not die typically on campus. That's not entirely true, but, right, right. But, but in general it is, right? If you can live in your dorm and never see an old person or a young person. But it's a big piece of what we do with our mentor program, where we pair students with non-students. And they meet regularly, um, that a big part of our work on campus is about about doing this kind of work that Simeon is doing, uh, yeah. connect, connecting a very bubbled experience, and not to say that it's not real, but to ground it in the wider, deeper reality that's not just the real world, quote unquote, that's uh, harsh and doesn't care about your feelings but in this wider reality of what god is doing in the world and what god is doing is is a uh, transgenerational sort of thing yeah
0: yeah that's really that's really helpful i mean so you're so you've got students that are sort of plucked out of their their normal family routine and placed into this different context and so you 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 form those you form that kind of um, that secondary family right that secondary community um you know a couple a couple years
1: ago i took students down to our our advocacy days our lutheran advocacy ministry colorado had their advocacy days um and had some really interesting information and stuff um and i brought students to it because i have students who are super interested in those sorts of things and uh, excepting myself, they were the youngest people there by like fifty years. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, which could have been really cool, right? They didn't find there. Simeon wasn't there that day, uh, and neither was Anna. Because <laughs> everybody came up to him and was like, "Why don't people your age care about this stuff? Right? Why aren't they engaged? Why aren't?" And <laughs> and my students were really nice, uh, but they should have said like, "Well, I'm here, right? Does this not count?" Yeah, uh, perhaps a. A part of what I want to see as a campus pastor is, is calling older generations to to the role of Simeon, of taking this very poor child, imperfect child, and that one of the ministries to which you're called is this this proclamation that this is one whom God has chosen.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's be a really interesting place to go with this text to, to universalize it a little bit, uh, to think about like this is, here's a picture of the the baptized community into which we're all called, right? That um, that the youngest generation, that the parents are called to bring their kids into this community, and the oldest, the oldest generation is called to do the kinds of things that Sydney and Anna are doing here, and that it's life giving for all of us to be a part of this this picture that we get right here in this little text.
1: Homiletically, during Christmas you have this window where Jesus can't do anything yeah <laughs> uh, that I think is important to emphasize because you're going to lose it really quickly but but here Jesus has done nothing to merit the acclaim that he's given from Simeon and Anna yeah um, yeah maybe it's it's Mary and Joseph fulfilling the law here, but but Jesus himself has done nothing to earn it, and I think that's a really bold bold thing yeah. to, to say to 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 students. Right, if we're thinking in that way, but those we bring forward and to the community uh, of elders who are called to receive these people who are, as you know, Matt, having kids is a real drag economically (sighs) and on your life force (laughs) and on your ability to see movies, uh, (laughs) except for you.
0: Hey, but the babysitter that we got is a member of the church, one of our our governors. So there are benefits to being a part of the baptized community. (laughs) you get free babysitting is that i mean what a picture though of the baptized of the baptist community and and to be thinking about like i mean i hate to like harp on infant baptism but like that this isn't i guess part of it too that it's not like i think people i don't know i i still have this conversation every year about infant baptism and how it's like well don't you have to make this decision and etc et, cetera, et cetera, and this is about, I mean, yeah, it's like you said, Jesus. Jesus can't do anything here, and it's not about Jesus's decision to become a part of this community. It's about his parents bringing him and these, uh, the wider community, like publicly welcoming him, and all of these, all of these things swirling around. Uh, it's. Yeah, it's not about what this little kid has done yet.
1: And we've we've talked a lot around like baptism and in, in the in the right and how you join a church like that, but this can also speak to the millions of different ways that we try to to have those initiation rights Yeah, um, that someone has to prove themselves. Perhaps at uh, at Hipster Church Seattle, you've got to prove to really be acclaimed. You've got to come in with clear frame glasses. It's one of the silliest things that have happened to me. Like every now and then I see somebody and they're like, I really like your glasses, man. Uh, and they're cool glasses, right? But I don't know how to respond to that at all. Like, I'm like I bought them, they help me see things. Uh, uh, are we in a club together now, right? Um, or is it that you, right, where they could be like, proving your Lutheran ethnic identity, or proving how uh, how well you know the Book of Common Prayer, or um, the challenge that I hear, we're doing some stuff with some young adults in town uh, who are having difficulty finding congregational homes locally, because the young adult stuff that happens is young adults with kids. And it's not that the, they don't have membership rules that you have to have kids to do this stuff. What might it look like to be a simian to a young adult, a 30-something without kids, or married, right, partnered? It breaks open all those
0: things, man. Huh? Yeah, that's what I mean. When I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think when I when I say baptism, I don't I don't just mean the moment of baptism, but the the baptized community, right? And uh, we get a picture of it here. Hey, Ooh. we actually went somewhere with this text. I hey, didn't expect this day. I didn't either. I was it's like, great. I was like, you know,
1: we'll just touch on this one because it kind of sucks, and we'll get to the good one. Because <laughs> most right? people are probably moving to Epiphany because it's way better than this text. But we got good stuff
0: out of it. That's why you come to the vinyl preacher we did i got i got good songs for this text too can i throw out my songs before we move to the next one
1: yeah i was banking on the songs being at the ending because i still haven't picked them but you well, let's uh, see what you got what do you got no let's do it now well, i
0: got i got uh so i got old man by neil young oh that's excellent. right <laughs> excellent <laughs> so good mm. only then i was like oh i need like an old woman song and then i found this song by bill Withers called grandma's hands it's by bill withers who does like lean up me right so he's this great uh gospel gospel pop singer and the song grandma's hands it's the song that is sampled for the song no diggity by Blackstreet. street do, do i know right? that song i started playing it and i'm like wait oh i know this gosh. song and i had no idea it was the song that's sampled but it has these beautiful little lyrics about uh, about grandma's hands it's a great little song. I had never done it before, and I, I just discovered it today looking for a song uh, about Anna. So, yeah, Old Man by Neil Young and Grandpa's Hands by Bill Withers. That's good. That's good. I can't. If I come <laughs> up with something by the end,
1: that'll be good. Let's all just Let's, be glad that we, we rung some, like, homiletical juice out of, out of the song <laughs> you Simeon. But, Matt, these are excellent texts to pair together, okay? Because on one hand, we've got Luke 2 that we just talked about, Song of Simeon, uh, a reading for which I don't have a, a go-to playlist, but, but you've got Neil Young. It's just fantastic. Uh, uh, you have Jesus, who hasn't done nothing, little baby Jesus. Uh, cue uh, the NASCAR movie uh, with Will Ferrell. Talladega Nights. Talladega Nights. Cue that. That little Jesus can't do nothing, and you've got these old people. Uh, this old widow, this old widow uh, claiming him and saying that you should listen to this dude, right? On the other hand, we move over to Matthew 2, second chapter of Matthew, and we get wise people from the east, the opposite end of things, folks who are traveling with with gold and fragrances and myrrh. Uh, we have kings involved now. You've got the full spectrum this week of folks pointing to Jesus Be We don't know what it is yet exactly. I mean, there's some clear claims, but... Anybody who has clarity, especially King Herod here, doesn't know what's going to happen, and so you've got the other side. It's it, they're paired excellently.
0: Yeah, and still this prophecy, man, it's so like, oh.
1: Matt. So there's a was, theme that continues. Uh, yes. If you recall from the end of the Eutycharistius, one of the things that I that I'm noticing this year as we move through Christmas uh, and on towards Epiphany is the the desire of the text to dress up what's happening. Um, to make things a little nicer than we thought they might be.
0: Um, What? How so?
1: Well, we had talked about it earlier on, right? And we had called, like, that great city uh, of—the city of David, right, is where he's from. Uh, And they stretched the genealogy to figure out that that David, like, slept one time in Nazareth uh, because Jesus needs to be from a royal city and not this, like, crap hole that Nazareth was. So there's a concern, uh, probably especially in Matthew. Uh, Mark seems unconcerned because he doesn't write anything about baby Jesus. But but this concern to to really dress Jesus up because what is what does the beginning of Matthew start with? What's the first chapter that we don't read ever?
0: Oh, uh, the genealogy. The genealogy, which right? is a really great genealogy. It's, there's a lot in there. Actually. I have
1: preached a great sermon on the genealogy of Jesus. <laughs> uh, it's it's fun. It, you can really catch people off guard if you preach that because like yeah. People can like fall asleep. They're like, oh, I know this story. But then you're like, hey, no, I'm going to spend five minutes reading the genealogy of Jesus to you before I preach to you. Yes. Uh, people are like, what the hell's going on? Here it's happening again, Matt. Here we have Matthew quoting Micah, right? Uh, in verse five, I think. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it's been written by the prophet, and here comes Micah, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least of the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler. Who is to shepherd my people Israel? Sounds pretty good, right? Fulfilling the promise that this is a great city from which much has been expected. Until you go to Micah 5:1, uh, the beginning of the fifth chapter of Micah, and it actually starts with He left off some selective editing here. Uh, uh, Matthew could have helped put the lectionary together, but Micah actually writes, "But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathath, who are one of the little clans of Judah, really emphasizes how how nothingness." how nothing Bethlehem is, then promises the ruler that's going to come forth. But Mike is making the point that Bethlehem means nothing. Uh, and here, Matthew's like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Uh, Micah said, I mean, it's small but nice, right? Like, it's like an apartment in Manhattan, right? Like, it's very small, <laughs> but it's very nice. It's very expensive.
0: Um, yeah, I think, that's, I think it's so interesting what the what the scriptures do with the other scriptures (laughs) the way they sometimes play fast and loose with them i think it's helpful for us as preachers to realize that because it gives us license i think to play fast and loose with the text i mean this is like i think you can do that you can play fast and loose and be faithful Some more
1: fun notes here. The star rises in the east, Matt. One of the things that gets interesting here, we talked about Matthew as a multicultural gospel uh, last year as we traveled through it. And you get those notes, certainly, right? These are foreigners who have come and are attesting uh, to Jesus and his uh, regal status. Uh, So that's worth noting, right? They are not Jewish. They are not Judean. Uh, and so for all the the ideas of the gospel of Matthew as a Matthew as a gospel for the Jewish for Judeans uh their authority comes from without so that's worth saying uh but the other is that this is intensely political there are strong political overtones here uh not only of power and honor um but that the wise people show up they ask where is the child who's been born king of the Judeans uh and they go to Herod to ask because they're asking a political question um and evidently, uh, again, Melina rohrbach bringing it, bringing it home for us, a star that rose in the east was a clear sign of political upheaval. Stars that rose in the west were much scarier because they were mysterious and hard to interpret. Um, but the star rising in the east was a clear and certain sign of political upheaval. Uh, and so this tone is set very quickly, because this is the beginning of the story of Jesus in Matthew, Outside of because it's just genealogy and then, bam, chapter 2. Um, And immediately we get these foreigners uh, passing through, asking to see the new king that Herod has no idea about, and telling him, basically, we're here to see the new king that's overthrowing the current political (laughs) regime. Could you point us in his direction?
0: Yeah. He takes it well. Yeah, yeah, really well. Well, it's such parallels here with... uh, with the Exodus story, too, right? I mean, so pretty clear. Pretty clearly that's part of what Matthew's trying to do is draw these parallels between King Herod and Pharaoh, but then also between Jesus and Moses. Uh, and then we're going to see it take that turn after this lectionary text uh, that Herod's going to be just as murderous uh, as Pharaoh Pharaoh was.
1: That's uh, So one of my favorite ways to preach the Gospel of Matthew, especially the beginning that comes to us from Craig Satterley, is that Matthew does a really good job of uh, summarizing really like a, a biblical emphasis uh, the, that a life of faith is a life of the lived in the rhythm of of homecoming and exile and that Matthew's particularly good at lifting that that pattern up which right has to do with again the Judean, Judean nature of Matthew uh, and the strong allusions to Moses and Pharaoh homecoming exile but from here right Jesus is going to be driven into exile and then he'll come home again to be baptized and then be driven into the wilderness and come back and back and forth like that and i think homiletically right preaching point idea uh, this is a time of year in which Many people travel, um, and the wise people are doing it here in uh, lifting up, perhaps right. Maybe finding some like some points of resonance that, that for as horrible as it can feel to travel at the holidays, uh, Matt, as you prepare to travel, make your uh, pilgrimage. Uh, <laughs> to depending on whether it's your parents' perspective or your perspective, whether it's homecoming or exile, to go back to Chicago. Um, Cuba, Kanye, homecoming. <laughs> Uh, but that's the, that's the sign of the, uh, uh, that's holy, holy work and holy life. And maybe that's an approach we can bring to it, um, over the holidays and carry into the life that we will lead in the new year.
0: Totally. I love the travel theme. I love to play with this travel theme, uh it's great if you're a person that likes road trips and likes uh, using that kind of imagery you could totally use this if you ever wanted to use the book Blue Highways in a sermon that you would preach as a guest preacher in Bakersfield California here's a good text you could use Blue Highways so many so many possibilities Uh, after church people will not talk to you about the good news they'll just talk to you about how good that book was it's great (laughs) but uh, yeah and then of course like well i'm gonna go here first i'm gonna save that last line for the end because i think we probably both love that last line um but i'm wondering like as we're traveling uh here's one thing that we might give to people do you remember a couple of months ago we preached on the burning bush story and uh talked about how this uh there's this uh There's one of the Midrash texts that talks about how the bush uh, was burning, this legend that the bush had been burning for a long time. Moses was just the first to turn aside and see it. And I wonder if the burning bush in this story is the star that is uh, Uh. right overhead. And maybe this star is shining and anyone can see this star and it's just these magi that turned aside to see and they're called into their vocation, right? You can even make this a story about uh, finding new vocation and finding new directions, uh, particularly because here's a text that shows up at the beginning of a new year when a lot of people are thinking about what new directions they want they might want to take uh, in a new year, um, but to make that – and then we'll see this kind of new directions at the end of the text. But if I'm I'm kind of – because I was wrestling with what that star might mean and prophecy and fantasy and all that kind of stuff. But what if the star – what if we think about it in the same way that we thought about that burning bush as um, the kinds of things in our world that we might turn aside and see – Love it, Matt. Right? We I mean, it's it. like and It's again a callback to the Moses story, but kind of remixed, right? It's not a, Like it's not. It's not exactly the Moses story with equal signs, but it's it rhymes with the Moses story. This Matthew story, in the same way that each of the Star Wars movies rhymes, just like the Force Awakens, it's really just a New Hope like all over again. Once again, we see Matthew just a, re- a remake of Exodus, but remixed. and Oh, just oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> oh, all right, Matt. I mean, I don't know. I don't think people need that much help on this text. <laughs> it's <laughs> so We're much gonna- there, right? Like, I mean, all you need is verse 12, like you said, right? Having been warned in a dream, uh, not to return to Herod. They left for their own country by another road. Um, It it hits back on some of the things we really crave. Here you go, Matt. Here's how I'm going to wrap it up, okay? You've got, again, the strong fantasy stuff. uh, And so you could introduce three narratives, right? Three stories that you've got uh, the story here that we have of Jesus. You've got these strong allusions uh, to to the old, uh, Pharaoh and Moses. Um, and then you could play with, right, our kind of like fantasy literature sorts of things. Um, but what I think makes this, to make this really, to really give these, this story in these days traction, uh, I think you've got to be ground a bit in what comes after this, um, because it's escapism, if we just get yeah. to live the dream of, of Simeon, um, right. if we get to, to wait for the wise men to to, to walk through the door and, and anoint us. Um, that all of, of this all of these trumpets and stuff, what follows is the is is all the children who are gonna be killed. Yeah. Um, so you gotta find a way where your good news can hold that reality
0: definitely and i think uh that's true every year that this text comes up which is literally every year it's the text for epiphany but if we're we're in the year of mark and for mark that cross is so central i mean everything is leading to the cross and we saw that the first sunday of advent and so here again it's a chance to say the cross is still uh, it's on the horizon like this is this is the cross has got to be a part of this sermon too yeah and we've talked about it, and, and just to make it make
1: it plain, uh, some of those cracks are here, right, that we've got this great Bethlehem. No, we don't. It's, a, it's the, the littlest of the tribes or littlest of the towns of Israel. Uh, it doesn't mean anything um, that you've got this family that's only able to offer up to the—has to pay the reduced rate at the temple. Um, that you've got, uh, if you want to get in the honor shame stuff, right, like maybe— maybe there's a vision in our head of a peaceful transition uh, of power here that King Herod might uh, uh, bend the knee to the new king that everybody's come, uh, but immediately, right, he is uh, scheming, conniving. This is not going to, this is going to be a dirty story that um, we learn more about Herod than anything here. And in in, in Herod, perhaps ourselves, um, that that the immediate compulsion is to, is to kind of start to play dirty, right? Yeah, and yet the story continues, right?
0: Yeah, it's really interesting with these, like, especially these, <laughs> these kind of texts that um, that were taught from such an early age. I mean, these are the Sunday school, these Sunday school stories. But it makes me think of like, uh, like the fairy tales, the Grimm's fairy tales, the German fairy tales. My wife uh, is a German ancestry, so she has some of the. Like we talk about how the original stories are so much like darker and bloodier and more full of death than like the way they get Disneyfied, right? Um, and it's and it's truly sexist too. And I just wonder like. I don't know how we get introduced to these texts and then how they get subverted as we get older and kind of uh, also thinking about the way that like Neil Gaiman will take a you know like a fairy tale that we all know and then like rewrite it in a way that's like oh holy shit <laughs> <laughs> check out his version of uh, Sleeping Beauty I'm trying to think, remember what it's called uh I can't remember but it's really good and creepy <laughs> um but maybe but just kind of thinking about how we preach a text like this uh, in a way that both connects with people's um sort of nostalgia around it but then subverts that a little bit too mm-hmm.
1: right Matt, that brings me to my playlist um, yes because i've got songs uh, i've got some songs for this Okay. Uh, the first one I'm going to put on the playlist is just an excellent song that needs to be on any road trip playlist. Uh, our good friends, the Ava brothers, have a song called The Traveling Song. Super fun, super fast, lots of energy. Uh, well, I guess if my daddy hadn't brought me up down a long dirt road in a pickup truck, well, I'd feel all right beneath the city lights. Couldn't leave the city lights, it just ain't right. Uh, but I was born out west in Cheyenne while my mom and pa was rambling around, and I'm a rambler too, but I'm country bound and I will travel. Till my country home is found, I will travel. Yeah, I will travel. I will travel, until my country home is found. It's the traveling song by the avid Brothers. Uh, an excellent song for your holiday travels. But Matt, I found the perfect song. Anybody who listens to podcasts knows uh, that, that I don't. I don't know if any other podcast in the in in the lectionary world appreciates a road trip the way that we do. Uh, so we have got excellent songs for it. I've got Dawes's, uh, "The West," That Western Skyline, one of my favorite. Uh, and here's the verse uh, that I'm going to bring you to here, Matt. Uh, it's about following a star, uh, so to what? speak. What? Uh, following it to the east, a star in the east. So I followed her here to Birmingham, where the soil is so much richer. And though my aching pride might guide my hand, she did not ask for me to come. And so i wait for her all through the day as I wait for her surrender. And every time I get her to look my way, she says, I'm not where I belong. But I watch her father preach on Sundays and I know the hymnals all by heart. But, oh, Lou, no, my dreams did not come true. No, they only came apart. Oh, Matt, it's a song about how following the star that travels the road trip. Doesn't always work out. Holds the brokenness, right? Uh, and yet, wow. I find it intensely hopeful, uh, right? In its plaintive notes, um, that—that's <laughs> the spot. Those are the places you find the real, real, real hope here.
0: Fantastic, excellent playlist. Mm. Road trip songs, stars. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, well, but is much, uh, much simpler this time around. I got. Uh, thinking about star songs but also that uh yeah yeah so slide the family stone uh, everybody is a star everybody's a star slide the family stone. i think i probably put it on there every year but I'm going to keep going with it. And then uh, that's a song that also gets sampled in a number of hip-hop records, including Kendrick Lamar's uh, Tip Him a Butterfly. But I'm going with the Roots sample of it uh, on their album, The Tipping Point. Uh, they opened that with Star slash That's the name of the song. and it samples a sample signed to Family Stone. Uh, and then Black, Black Thought does a lot of uh, fantastic rapping. And I had to throw a Roots song in there because Black Thought had a phenomenal uh, freestyle this past week. 10-minute right. freestyle. <laughs> it's just sort of like yeah uh yeah he's great he's great so in honor of a uh, black thought so from the roofs
1: i'm not impressed we just completed a 52 minute freestyle <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: good
1: matt good news you got good news can we summarize the good news good for news? epiphany and christmas one
0: oh my gosh i don't know what do you got
1: Mm, I think I'm not sure that I'm there yet in in terms of a full full sentence Uh, but if I'm looking for the good news it's in that dumpy little town of Bethlehem Um, it's in that that poor family um, I'm really playing with and like in like how how visceral like I'm remembering the kids who were on reduced lunch I think that's going to preach for me I'm not sure what the good news is going to be but that's going to be the the setting the backdrop for it widows all that kind of good stuff
0: I think I'm going to be talking about, I think I'm going to be thinking about new directions in a new year. Like I always do, but also like just thinking about that, that star as the burning bush and what exactly that, that looks like. And maybe to connect it to, to what you're saying to think about Jesus as, okay, so here's the reduced lunch, reduced lunch kid. And, uh, where are those places in our world that, that call us to those new directions, right? Is, this, this, is it a fantasy star or is it actually something that's much more grounded? I wonder if there's a way to ground that star in reality. Where's God shining a spotlight? Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I like it, Matt. I like it. As always, You can find the songs on Spotify, you can find us on Spotify, Vinyl Preacher. Uh, Be sure to subscribe, folks, if you haven't subscribed uh, anywhere you buy podcasts or get them for free uh, on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, The Vinyl Preacher, subscribe, uh, and you get this beauty of 50-minute freestyles every week. Every week. Next week, special edition live pod coming to you from Chicago. Uh, Man, it's going to be great. Live from the back porch. Live from a four-degree back porch. (laughs) (laughs) All right, it's been real. It's been real vinyl.